Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right. What's up, City Church? How are we feeling? Come on. I am so, so pumped to be here with you all. Um, first of all, man, Boulder is beautiful, for crying out loud. Like, this is one of the best cities I've ever been to, and I do travel a lot. So, uh, yeah. Wow. So beautiful. I am thrilled to be here. Uh, as uh, Drake said, um, my name is Chris. I have a beautiful wife, Sarah, um, and um, wow, she is my better half, best half, I like to say. Um, she sends her regards, but we are just, I just want to say before I jump in, so grateful for your partnership and you know, we uh, begun this church plant journey during the pandemic, and I think some points of that felt alone out there in the world, but just so you know, like, you are helping propel the mission of God forward in a city um, that desperately needs Jesus, um, and so we're seeing amazing things ha happening. I'm super excited to tell you about a couple of them, but um, also, yeah, I'm just excited to be in the room and uh, to put some names to faces, and uh, for you as well, so um, we're just not a name on a page. We are uh, a person and flesh and blood, so I am so excited to dig into the Word today. I'm going to be uh, kind of continuing on in this thought of generosity that you guys have been talking through, and I just want to kind of approach it from a little bit different angle, a little different perspective here, um, and really get to, I think, what, what would be the heart of the issue. And so um, I hope you would uh, hear my heart today. We're going to start in uh, John chapter 4, um, John chapter 4, verse 7. I'll just read this right here from the iPad. It says, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus asked, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus answered her. <clears throat> Sorry, coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, answer her, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whosoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying that you have no husband for you've had five husbands. Uh, Jesus, man, coming in hot there with that. Um, and the one that you have now is not your husband's. Uh, so what you have said is true. Um, today, for the next couple moments, I want to talk to you around this thought, 
All right, now um, a little bit of a slang word, I guess, the kids are using these days, but um, simply comes from this passage, and uh, you can lean over to your neighbor and say it to him, but uh, lean over to your neighbor and say, don't be thirsty. All right, yeah, and you can lean over to the person uh, that you like a little less and say, don't be thirsty, the other person on the other side, all right? (coughs) All right, all right. (laughs) Let me pray for us before we dive in today. Um, Jesus, um, we pray today that you would speak to us. Lord, um, when it comes to this issue of generosity, um, God, we know at the end of the day that the scriptures say that, that man judges the outward, but God judges the heart. And so today we want to just get to the issue of the heart. Lord, speak to our hearts. Challenge us. God, encourage us um, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, um, does anybody remember their first car in the room? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. You can go ahead and shout it out to me. Uh, first car, just say, scream it out. Okay. Fort Taurus. I heard that. Sorry, there was a jumble there for a second. Chevy. Oh, Chevette. Not a Chevelle, but a Chevette. Awesome. Um, so my first car Um, I thought I was really cool. I got the first car when I was just turned 16, um, and I got this first car. It was a black Cadillac DeVille. It was like a 93 or whatever, so I thought I was really cool. I mean, it had the little spokes and the, you know, the nice, like, upgraded sound system. So, I mean, you can hear me coming from a mile away when I was driving. I thought I was the coolest kid in the world. Now, one of the things about my vehicle is, uh, if you know anything about Cadillacs, um, they actually um, take premium gas, okay? So gas prices right now, crazy. I mean, in Chicago, they're like $7 a gallon, so I can't even imagine. Um, It's probably not as high out here, but yes. And so gas was pretty expensive, and at the time, I mean, I'm a high school kid, right? And so didn't know much about cars, and uh, I'm just a kid with very little resources, very little money, and I go up to the pump, and I see the three options, and I see there's the cheapest option, and then there's the option that I'm supposed to use, which is the most expensive option. And so instead of, you know, following the instructions where on the car, it literally says, only use premium unleaded. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't have that. So I'm just going to go ahead and rock that uh, unleaded uh, regular. And saving a little bit of money, I mean, I would do crazy things like I just pull all the change out of my pocket. And I remember one time I was like, it was like 27 cents. That's all I had. But like, I filled, filled as much as I could and, and got on to the next spot. But anyways, I did this over time and over time. I mean, this was a constant thing. I mean, again, I'm in high school, not a lot of money or resources coming in. And I remember um, over a period of time, my vehicle began to start to, like, not work right. I mean, when I got the vehicle, I started out at, you know, I was getting like 20 miles to the gallon, 22 miles to the gallon. And then, you know, six months to a year into this process, here I am, I'm getting like 12 miles to the gallon and eight miles to the, that was crazy. I'm just like, what is happening? I mean, my car was breaking down. It was overheating. It was doing all this stuff. And I was trying to figure out like what happened. And again, I'm not a super car guy. So I had to like, in the, on the back end of this story, figure out what exactly what was happening. This is what I found out. 
It says, over time, when you use regular fuel and your car's requirements are premium, it can actually damage your vehicle. Prolonged use can cause knocking of the engine, which can in turn void your warranty of your car, especially if the car, like mine, car's manual says don't use regular grade fuel. Now, I didn't understand what is this, what is premium grade fuel? Here's what premium grade fuel is. Premium gas is a higher octane than regular gas. In other words, a higher resistance to detonation. Anybody trying to blow up on the side of the road? Um, as various pressures rise in the cylinder, the engine, um, this will also result in temperature rise and the gasoline will detonate or explode. Now, I know that's like a really like funny thing. You want to laugh at me like, dude, you should have knew better. But I, listen, I was 16. Come on, don't hold it against me, right? And I think about um, kind of this example or this story. And the reason I tell you this is how often in our everyday lives, as we are living this thing called the American dream, or as we're living our daily lives, do we choose to try to fill our hearts and souls with things that were never intended to do them in the first place? I'm not speaking against having things, or I'm not speaking against, uh, you know, uh, having goals or dreams or aspirations, but one of the things I want to warn us against today is that we could live a life where we try to just stuff and fill our lives with the things that we think will help bring us satisfaction. But at the end of the day, we know this to be true, that there is only one thing in this world that can bring our soul satisfaction. And when I was thinking about this, I'm like, hey, man, like how many times have I done this? You know, I'm like... I have a goal in mind, or I, I, I want to get that, you know, I want to get that new vehicle. And I'm like, man, if I get this new vehicle, man, then I will start to feel great about myself. I'm like, hey, if I uh, go and uh, aspire to get a new job, or if I go and aspire to get the, the new house so people can be like, look at me, I'm doing all these great things. When we put our hopes and aspirations in those things, those things don't have the octane to fill our hearts and our souls. And so we're looking at this story in John chapter 4. And this is Jesus. He comes along and meets a woman at the, a well. And he's given her this, like, total Jedi mind trick thing. And he's going, talking around in circles. And she's not even sure what he's really talking about. But the reason why I think this story is impactful, I'd just love to unpack it for a second. So let's start really quick back at um, John chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 7. So a woman from Samaria came to draw the water, and then Jesus said, give me a drink. Jesus answered her, and he said, uh, excuse me, skip to 10. Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Here's where I want to key in. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? So you see Jesus here, he is speaking of a water. He's using water as some imagery here. And she hadn't caught on to it yet. Jesus isn't just talking about natural water that you can get out of a well that you drink. 
And then skip to 13, it says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Today, I just hope to encourage you around this thought is I don't want us to be thirsty. I don't want us to fill our hearts and souls with things that are, will leave us void, things that are fleeting, things that will leave, things that will pass away. I want us to fill our hearts with, like it says in verse 14, but if anyone drinks the water that I give, they will never be thirsty again. And so when I think about life and just the craziness of our life, man, it's very easy to get into the rat race. It's very easy to fall trapped to, hey, I need to keep up with the Joneses or the people around me. But when you live a life that's centered on Jesus and the kingdom, you have to come to this realization like it says here in Matthew chapter 6. Let's go to that really quick. Matthew 6, I'll start at verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body, what you will put on. Is not life more to food and not more to the body than clothing? Skip down to verse 33. It says, then, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious in itself, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. This is a very commonly misquoted passage of scripture, especially when we get to verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, what this passage is telling us is not just seek first God and his kingdom and then God will operate as a genie for you. It's not saying that um, seek first God and his kingdom and it's not this, uh, you know, quid pro quo with God. You know, you do this and, and God hooks you. That's not what it's trying to give at here. What it's trying to get at here is what Jesus is trying to communicate to this woman at the well. Is that life has trouble. Life has anxieties and pressures. I mean, think about the world we live in. Every day we're worried about um, how are we going to, uh, you know, pay bills? How are we going to, you know, pay for kids college? How are we going to pay for weddings? How are we going to pay for all of the things that we want to take care of? All the things that are on our mind. But Jesus is saying that these things will be there regardless or not. But he's giving us an out and an opportunity for us to trust in something greater than just ourselves. And so when I say, like, don't be thirsty, don't just thirst after the things of this world that are fleeting, don't just thirst after things that are fleeting, I'm meaning that the more important thing as people that are seeking after Jesus is to seek first his kingdom. You may say, Chris, it's really easy for you to say, seek first the kingdom of God because you're a preacher. Well, no, first and foremost, I'm just a normal person just like you. I have a story. God, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been pastoring now. Uh, it'll, um, restarted this church about a year ago, but I've been pastoring now for the last um, 10 years or so. And before that, man, I was just in the marketplace working an everyday job. But God had a call on my life. And that call is uh, specifically to vocational ministry. But before I ever did that, God just had a call on my life to follow him. 
And regardless of what phase of life you find yourself in or, or what vocation you find yourself in, I think the principle is still the same. Is Jesus is inviting us into this relationship to just trust him. That was my story. I, um, my parents were pastors, and I was like, and my brother was a pastor, and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'll come to church. I'll show up. I'll, I'll clean the toilets. I'll sing on the worship team. I'll do all the stuff, but I don't want any, anything extra. You know, I just want to, I want to do my thing. But Jesus arrested me, and it was in a way that I can't hardly really explain. But at the end of the day, I think we all come to the crossroads of, are we going to trust in God or not? Jesus gives us an invitation. He gives this woman an invitation. He says, I have a water that you will never thirst again. Jesus comes as a gentleman offering an invitation. That's the invitation for us today, is that we could come to church. We could explore this thing called faith and never take it past the first step. But Jesus is inviting us into a growing, thriving relationship with him. And what I get from that scripture, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you, I get this mentality that as we begin to seek after God, as we begin to trust after God, as we begin to give God the keys to our life, that God begins to take us on this journey. And it says, and all these things will be added to you. All of the things that we need to be who God's created us to be, he gives them to us. That's what that scripture means to us. It's not just all the things that we want. Trust me, in my life, I wanted some things. I thought I was going to be the next NBA star. I thought I was going to be the next NFL star, whatever sports star. But God had another plan. And I believe that for you today is that maybe it's not vocational ministry, but maybe there's an area of your life that God is endeavoring to ask. He wants you to trust him in because he has something great that he wants to lead you in. And so when I think about all of this, right, we talked about this analogy, we talked about water, we talked about all these underlying things. Here's what I want to get to. Is Jesus' heart for all of us, for you and I, is not that we would just live a life where we could say we crossed off everything on our bucket list. Not so that we could just live a life where we got everything we wanted and we got our way. But Jesus wants us to live our life in rhythm with him. Now, again, my name of my church is Rhythm, so sure, like, okay. But it, I think it means something really impactful besides just being a really cool word, right? So here's what rhythm is. Rhythm defined as a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Here's how I would define it. Is someone uh, knowing exactly what to do, say, think, and be at the exact right moment, powered by the Spirit of God. Here's a key verse for you. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. In the message translation, it says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I don't know about you, but um, let's just take the last couple years, for example. In the last couple years, has anybody in the room been felt tired, worn out, weary, burnt out? Jesus is inviting us, just like he invited this woman at the well, to get away with him, to experience the presence of God. Let me just give you just a, this is a bonus, man. The presence, the Bible says that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And I don't know about you, but man, over the last season, there's been a lot of days I haven't felt joy. But there's been an opportunity to go back, to come to the well that never runs dry and experience a lifelong, a filling joy that does not run out. And so the first part of that is just that when you're tired, what you should do is get away and experience God. Now, we don't have time to dive in, but if you've ever heard the story of Job in the Bible, um, it's a very confusing book, so I don't recommend starting there. But uh, it is a very rich book with what it means to have joy, because joy is not just happiness, What I love about Job is the immediate moment when things were happening in Job's life. He's he's this wealthy man, has all this great stuff happening, and then in an instant, a lot of things went wrong. And Job had the opportunity to go and and to be uh, a complainer and just turn to that. But what the scriptures tell us is that Job's first act was to bow down and worship God. He got away and experienced the presence of God. Maybe this is for you today. Maybe uh, in in an area of your finances, maybe in an area of your career and vocation, you felt a sense of just feeling lost, feeling not knowing where to go. A good opportunity is for you to, when you're tired, get away and experience God. The second thing um, from that passage says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real west. Second piece I want you to really get, it's really important. It says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Now, the way I like to say this is that life is not about striving, but it's about striding. Now, there's a difference here. We talk about it a lot in our culture. Hey, we're striving. I'm trying to do something. I'm trying so hard to reach my goals. I'm trying to do all of these things. When again, back in Matthew 6.33, Jesus is saying that the goal isn't just to try. The goal is to seek first after him. And so we like to switch that word a little bit. Instead of trying to strive after something to attain something, it's time to switch our mentality to striding. Now, what do I mean by that? Striding, when you are walking directly in step with the movement of God. The difference between striving and striding is when you strive, you're using all of your own energy and effort. But when striding, there is a grace for what God is asking you to do. God is not asking you to be something you're not. God's not asking you to uh, give something you're not. God is not asking you to walk in a grace that's not for you. God is just asking you to be who you're created to be. That's all he wants for you and I. And so when I think about what it means in our, in our cultural context of, um, you know, everybody's trying to one-up each other, everybody's trying to get the next best, I think the way that we can actually do this in a healthier way is not try to do it in our own strength, but we should try to strive with the way that God is going. And the way God is going is the way of the kingdom, right? 
That was a great song we just sang there. Just, it's all about the kingdom of God. And this last piece of this passage, it says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This last piece is very important. Learning the unforced rhythms of grace. What does that mean? Learning how we are specifically been created and called and designed to be and flowing in that. You know, one of, one of the things I've been doing a lot of work in personally uh, these days is, you know, I'm, I'm a, a Enneagram guy, so, you know, I, I, like to, I like to be a high achiever, right? I want to I wanna get everything done. I want to be seen as very successful. I want to be seen as all these things. But at the end of the day, God hasn't called us to live a life of just being successful. God has called us to live a life of being people of the kingdom and being people who are walking in their own grace and calling. Guess what? God hasn't called me to be what he's called you to be. God hasn't called me to be what he's called you to be and vice versa. And I think one thing that is difficult for us in the, in the, in the church or people who are pursuing to follow Jesus is that we can see other people, we can see their walks, we can see what they're doing, we can see what God's doing in their life. And it's easy to jump into comparison, like, oh, I need to be doing that, or oh, I need to do this, and oh, I need to do that. That's not what God is asking us to do. God is asking us to find the unforced rhythm of the grace that he's called us to. What does that mean, unforced? So unforced is something that is effortless, something that just rolls off the tongue. I liken it to slicing some butter, and it just rolls, I mean, nice and easy, unforced. And when I think about an unforced rhythm, it's something that just happens naturally. And so when it comes to your life, when it comes to what, the way we're living, what you're pursuing, the things that we deem most uh, important, the things that we want to do the most, I think we need to kind of draw ourselves and attention back to Matthew's gospel of the call to pursue after the kingdom and his righteousness. And then all the anxieties, all of the weird conversations that we have in our head and all the comparisons, we compare ourselves to the person next door to us who just got uh, promoted three times or we compare ourselves to the family over here when uh, we haven't been able to have kids and, and they're having kids or the family over here who uh, seems to go on vacation every week. These are all me, so by the way. <laughs> I wasn't calling anybody else. These are just me. Instead of doing that, it's just walking in the unforced rhythm of the grace God has for us. And when I think about that in the context of the local church, I think about city church, right? You guys are doing Serve Sunday next week. That's beautiful. God has created this space as a church to exist in the city for the city, right? That's the motto, right? And I think about that. And it's easy to jump into, oh, well, we're not this or we're not that or we're not this or we're not that. All God is calling you to is just to be yourself. And I think about the mission of the church and I think about our individual missions as people, as followers of Jesus. And, yeah, I, I, I know it gets difficult. Like I said, this last two years I've had many moments of, man, I'm tired and I'm worn out. 
Even the last part, I'm burnt out on religion. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. But God's not just wanting us to get good at our checklists. God's not just wanting us to look good on the outside. God wants to get down to the heart and wants us to find rhythm with his spirit. And when we find rhythm with his spirit, when we are in rhythm, that's when it is unforced. And I would dare to say that when we are in a grace that is not what we've been created to be, those are the moments we get tired. Those are the moments we get weary. Jesus gave the great invitation to the woman at the well. I have a water that will not run dry, will not leave you thirsty. I love that Jesus used a natural resource, right? Everybody knows we need water to survive, correct? Yep, you don't have water, you don't survive. So Jesus isn't saying that water and things aren't important. You got to have things to live. We have, we need things, right? But Jesus is saying as much as those things are important, this much more is it important to know the living water of the spirit of God, to walk in the grace that we've been created for, to live in blessed fellowship with the spirit, to know Jesus. You know, there's a big difference between just knowing about God and actually knowing God. I always like to use this example, you know. I do travel a lot, so before I say this, it would be like me being married to my wife and never being at home, never spending time, never being connected. What kind of relationship would that be? My wife's love language is acts of service. I still don't know what that is. Ten years in, let's go. Um, I guess I'm not doing too bad. Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants you to trust him. These are his love languages. Trust and faith and belief. I know it may be hard. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about the heart of the generous. We're talking about some hard subjects and topics here, right? But I guess I've just gotten to a point in my life where it's just been, man, am I going to trust God? Am I going to take him at his word that he says that if I lean in to the spirit of God, that he is the well that will not run dry. Am I going to trust and believe when he says that if I'm weary, he will give rest for my soul? Am I going to trust those things or am I not? I don't know about you, but after living through a pandemic, I, I just, life is so short. And I would never want to live my life being less than what God intended for me to be. And that's my prayer for you today, is maybe you're new to church, or maybe you've been around church, or maybe you haven't been around in a while, but you're back. I just think we're at a moment in our history that's a pivotal moment, a watershed moment. Will you trust God or not? The beautiful thing about Jesus is he loves us, he cares for us, he's a, he's a gentleman, he, he, he's not going to force himself on anybody, but I I think we have this beautiful chance. Scripture tells us that God's ways are not our ways. 
His thoughts are not our thoughts. It says his plans and his ways are better than our thoughts. And I don't know about you, but I guess I'm just willing to trust the creator of the universe, of the heavens and the earth, the one who aligned the star, the one who's created this space, the one who made us with the keys to my life. And so as I close today, maybe you're in this space and maybe you struggle with trusting. You struggle with control, letting go. Life is good when I'm in control. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to lead and guide and direct you not because he wants to harm you, but because he has a plan and a future for your life. Jesus has given us his scriptures, given us his words, not as words to condemn us, but as words to give us life and life more abundantly. And so when we talk about some of these things, I know it's tricky sometimes, but Jesus really does have your best interest at heart. And so I'm gonna just give the opportunity um, if you're in this room, I'd love to pray for you. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed in the room. I just want to give this call, two simple calls. Today, if you're in this room and you say, Chris, this Jesus that you're talking about, you're talking about giving up control and, and, and centering and trusting my life in Jesus, that's really hard for me, but... I want to know this Jesus, the Jesus that is the well that never runs dry, the Jesus that is the maker of the heavens and the earth. That's you. I want to pray for you. And the second thing is if you're in this room under the sound of my voice and, man, I don't know, I just feel and sense this heaviness of maybe you've just been walking through something really heavy Maybe you feel out of sync, out of rhythm, so to speak, with the Spirit. Maybe you feel like, man, I just, I'm burnt out on religion. I want to pray for you that you would meet Jesus in a fresh and a new way today. Yes, Lord. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, we come to you today. We pray for... First of all, those in the room who don't have a thriving relationship with you, God. I know faith can be scary sometimes. I know trusting in something other than yourself can be difficult sometimes. But Jesus, we say we trust you. We submit our hearts to you. God, maybe a person in this room has just been doing life on their own in their own strength and their own ability and they've left and felt overwhelmed with all of that. And so, Jesus, right now we're praying for these people. And a simple prayer is, Lord, I give you my heart. And God, I also pray for the other person in the room who maybe uh, just has felt out of sorts, out of whack, just out of alignment. God, we pray for a, a aligning in this moment. We pray for a restarting, a, a reinvigoration. We pray for rhythm in life. We pray for rhythm in a relationship with following you. Maybe God has grown cold and, and tired and stale, but God, we pray for the freshness of your spirit to be here in this moment to meet us, God, and, and so that we can follow you like never before and we can be all that you've created us to be. God, this is our prayer today.
We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.